I'm Jane Hubbard, here with another snippet. A lot of Denise Montel's work has focused on how groups of cells move, also known as collective cell migration. Her interest in cell migration really took off when she was a postdoc with Alan Spradling at the Carnegie Institution of Washington, looking at cells in the ovary of the fruit fly. I wondered what motivated that interest and what her thought process was. Did she foresee how powerful the fly ovary would be to help unravel the mysteries of cell migration? I had no idea. I did not have a very sophisticated thought process at all. <laughs> um, you know, I think one of the defining characteristics of scientists is that we're just really curious people. And we can apply that curiosity to lots of different types of questions and problems. And, you know, I, I went to graduate school in neuroscience and I was interested, got interested in questions of how neurons, as they extend their accents during development, how do they find their way and navigate? And this is a form of motility, right? And that was a very complicated problem. It did ultimately get close to solved by the investigators I was working with at the time. But when I started my postdoctoral work, I was still interested in this question of how cells move. It is really this fundamental property of Animal cells, certainly, but even simpler organisms, amoeba and whatever, can move around. And the ability to move, like it evolved early in evolution, right? Because it's, you can see how useful that is to be able to move towards food, towards things that appeal to you, and equally importantly, away from the things that are noxious or, or unpleasant. So it's just a really fun, it's one of those deep truths we're looking for. How do cells move? How do they do that? How do they know where to go? How do they know when to move and when to stay put? You know, just really fundamental questions that we didn't have answers to um, back then. And you could ask that question in a variety of different ways. And people were asking the question by studying cells, you know, mammalian cells isolated in a culture dish. And I just thought, well, here are these cells migrating in the fruit fly ovary. And my postdoctoral advisor was studying lots of different things about the fruit fly ovary. And I was interested in cell migration. So were cells migrating the ovary, it just made sense that that would be the problem I would study in his lab. And um, we had very limited tools and approaches <laughs> at the time for looking at the cells. So we had some disadvantages relative to the people who were studying cells in culture dishes where they could make movies of them and stuff like that. We couldn't do that, but we could apply genetic screens. And fundamentally, we were studying the cells in their native environment, right? We were studying them in their real animal. And I didn't know how important that would turn out to be, but it turned out to be really important that there are things that you can find about how cells move in their native environment that you just can't find if you're studying them in a dish. And so my thought process was a little simpler than that. It was really more like, if we study something no one studied before, maybe we'll learn something nobody knew before. <laughs> and, you know, I was, it was kind of like that. What Denise Montel learned about cell motility particularly about how groups of cells move within a live organism, turns out to have important implications for understanding human cancer cells. The cells that we study, it's a group of cells. It has this really interesting characteristic that one set of cells tells the other set of cells to carry them. So it's this collective social behavior where one group is instructing the other cells and the other cells are carrying them. So it's cooperative in this way. Neither group of cells can move without the other. They each bring something <laughs> to the effort. And that turns out to be true in cancer settings as well, that cells can cooperate and do more collectively than they can do individually. 
So that was a feature of the migration we were studying that at first seemed really quirky, really odd, like, hmm, maybe that's a little weird flyovery thing, you know? And then it turned out once you could start to look at cells in their native environments, that it was more common than anyone really probably thought. But Denise and her colleagues wanted to know how this collaboration actually worked. So we did what a lot of people like you and me, people who work on flies and worms and yeast and things like that. Um, we just did this unbiased genetic screen and said, let the animal tell us how this works because we don't have a clue. And so we identified mutants that, um, you know, where one gene would be mutated and the cells would not be able to move. And then by figuring out what gene was mutated, which was a long and arduous process at that time, and, and then figuring out where the protein that the gene was responsible for making was located within the tissue. Sometimes it was located in the cells that were moving. Sometimes the protein was located outside of the cells that were moving. We could ultimately sort of deduce how it worked. And what we figured out was that the cells have to integrate many different pieces of information in order to move. They get a signal that tells them it's the right time to move. They get a signal that tells them which direction to move in. They get a signal that actually activates the whole program of motility itself. And that signal, if we provide it to a cell that normally doesn't move, is enough to make it move. So which cells are going to move has to be specified. And then when during development that's going to happen. And then which direction to move in. And then how do you mechanically carry out this process? You know, and we're still learning things. I mean, we're still, half my lab still works on that. And I suppose they also have to be told when to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, in this case, they run into another cell and they stop there. But we are studying the process right now. It's super interesting. How do they make a new connection when they get where they're going? This is also something that's very relevant to cancer. You know, when cancer spreads, that's what makes it really, really hard to treat. So how does a cell that's moving all around suddenly decide that it's going to take up residence in a new location? And how does it do that? And so that's something... That's an aspect of the problem that we've only studied in the last couple of years, and we're just learning really new things about that. 